0: Good morning, Riverside. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. It's going to be a great day here at Riverside. It already is. But I'm excited now because you get to hear from one of my friends, Dr. Paul Day. Dr. Paul Day is the preaching minister uh, for the Oak Gardens Church of Christ here in Dallas. Uh, He's an incredible preacher, speaker, man of God, and I'm so grateful that he agreed to come and to share God's Word with us today. Uh, What you need to know about Paul is he's an incredible uh, difference maker in his own right. I know that's a series that we're doing right now. And Paul really is a difference maker in his community where he lives and in his church at Oak Gardens. They're making an incredible difference and impact in their neighborhood. And I'm so thankful uh, that he gets to come in to share around the same idea with our church today. So would you please help me in welcoming Dr. Paul Day. (laughs) Once again, it is a blessing. Bam, there it is. If you couldn't hear me before, you can sure hear me now. We are thrilled to be with you today, and we thank God for this uh, time of worship. Your music ministry is beautiful, and to witness all that God is doing at this great place of worship. It is truly an honor uh, to not only be here at worship, but it is an honor to see the sun again. We thank God. I was at Home Depot trying to figure out what is gopher wood. If you're not laughing, you don't come to Bible class. Gopher wood. And what is 120 cubits? But we just thank God to see the sun and be here at church. I was blessed to bring uh, some of uh, the important people in my life here with us today. And uh, I've been doing a little traveling. It's just a blessing uh, to be able to worship with my family. Very seldom do I get to sit next to my son in worship. And uh, that was just the thrill of my life today, for us to be able to hold hands during prayer uh, today, and just thank God for that. My beautiful wife is here of 20 years, uh, and she still looks as young as she did the day we got married. And we have one son, uh, Blake Paul Day, who is with us, and then my mother, who uh, turned 80 this year, amen, is here She gets, she gets mad every time I tell her age, but I'm going to buy her lunch after church, so uh, it should pay off. And then we have some of our leaders here. Uh, one of our deacons is here, and his lovely wife, she runs our media department at church. And then we have another staff member here, uh, Sister Callahan. Her husband was going to come with, uh, with us this morning, but our children minister got sick, or she's at the fair, and she wasn't able to make it. <laughs> At church, I can't figure out which one it is, but she, uh, he wasn't able to make it because of that. And then we have our social media uh, young lady who does all of our social media, one of our staff members at church that came with uh, me today uh, because they couldn't believe you guys invited me. Uh, so they had to take pictures of this great, momentous occasion. <laughs> Some of your elders came over to worship with us about three or four months ago, and it was a blessing. And um, their wives came, and we just fellowshiped and had a great time. And I have uh, particularly uh, fa- fallen in love with one of your elders, uh, Doug. We were able to have lunch together about a week or two ago, and he is a wonderful man of God and all of them. But I've just been able to talk on the phone with him a lot, and we just thank God for the friendship uh, that we've been, been able to build over these trying times in our world. Uh, Y'all say amen out here Uh, uh, during these trying times in our world. And we just thank God that two people who come from different walks of life can still sit at a table at a very expensive restaurant, Chick-fil-A, and have a, a number one and just fellowship one with another. And we need more of that. We will find out Adam's blood runs through all of us. Regardless, what party you are part of, regardless, where you live, guess what? Jesus is still our Lord and God. And it's just a blessing to have that fellowship today. I'm going to continue in on the series that Brother Corey gave me, and we are praying for him that he makes it over to uh, Jerusalem. I would love to be on that flight with him uh, going to Jerusalem, but we just thank God that he was able to make that trip. We pray for safe travel there and back. Will you meet me at Acts chapter 9 as we continue in on the series of difference makers, Different makers. I'm going to hurry up and take my time. Acts chapter 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation Bible. The Bible says, "Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers." So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their corporation in the arrest of any followers of the way. Those were the people who were following the way of Jesus Christ. He found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. That's interesting, isn't it? Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. Acts chapter 9, verse number 22. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus could not refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Let's pray. Father God, please bless this time of your word. Please bless this time as we try to learn how to be greater disciples of thee. Thank you for this series of difference makers. Dear God, let us not just be at church. Let us be the church. Let us project what we are blessed to experience today, even on Monday, with our friends and with our family to let them see we have sold out to Jesus. Dear God, let us have that experience that Paul had or Saul had to change our lives, to be more like you and commit the rest of our lives to show the world I have been redeemed. Please forgive us of our sins in your Sunday name we do pray and all who believe said amen. At Oak Gardens, our staff was tasked with the job of trying to be more community-oriented. Many staff members did a multiplicity of things. We have one lady going to Africa in two weeks with a young millennial group. We have some who uh, have started community um, organizing. I decided to do something crazy. I went and started teaching class at Navarro Junior College. I was going to teach... Uh, sociology classes, but that class was still filled up. So they had an opening for me to teach another class until that became available, adult education, GED program. I said yes, just trying to fill out the, uh, the mission of the church, trying to get involved with people who are unchurched, that have no relationship with church. It was a good idea, but it was a bad idea because nobody told me that you had to do math, Science. I mean, I didn't know that those subjects still existed. I I've been out of school for twenty years now, and and when I went in there, I did pretty good with the teaching the science part, and I kind of struggled a little bit with the science, but I could figure it out. That math. I realized why I went to seminary. It's not that much math. I don't know if I've been called to the ministry or just just drove me because I don't know how to teach math. Well, in that program, there were twenty millennials sitting in there. Some of them dropped out of school in the seventh grade. Young lady got pregnant and uh, couldn't go back to school. Some uh, individuals had no family history of going to school. And I, I went in that class, and every time they would ask me a math problem, I would say, we're going to get to that. But right now, let's stay with adding, subtraction, division. They said, but we want to learn about ratios and fractions. I said, you're moving too fast. Let's just, because see, I had to go back home and learn it myself, you know, before I could go teach it. And I knew it was a matter of time before they called me and fired me. I was waiting for the call. One day I was sitting in my office at church, and uh, the dean of that area called me and said, "Uh, Dr. Day, I want to tell you something. I said, okay, I'll come get my stuff, no problem. She said, no, out of those 20 students that you started with, four of them have passed the GED program. I couldn't figure out how. (laughs) I even asked her. You're kidding me, you know. I said, no, no. So I went back to the class, and I asked one of them, Jose. Jose dropped out in the seventh grade. He's on probation. Jose made a bad mistake. Father's not there. Mother is nowhere to be found. Jose passed the GED program about two months ago. And as I was talking to Jose, I said, what made you pass? He said, well, you would sit down with me before class and ask me, what are my dreams? What do you want to do? I said, I thought it was because I was teaching you math. He said, no, I had to go get that lesson from somebody else. (laughs) He said that you just simply believe that I could do it. Even though I didn't know it, you can be a difference maker without even knowing you're making a difference. I think some of us get so caught up with the time of worship that we forget that you still have to walk down the Damascus Road every now and then. That you still have to uh, have correspondence with others who are outside of these walls to let them know that your call to Christ is bigger than your hour of worship. We see that in Acts chapter 9. There's a guy by the name of Saul. Saul worked for the old system, the old law, the synagogue worship. And Saul decided he was going to do everything he could to stop these people of the way, those Jesus followers, this new religion, this new idea that was showing up uh, in this area. And Paul got letters from the high priest and decided he was going to stop this movement. And on the way down to Damascus to arrest Christians just because of how they believed, God showed up to Paul, to Saul, in Acts chapter 9 and asked him the question, Saul You think you are persecuting these people, but you're actually persecuting me. Everybody in life has what I call a paradigm shift moment. What is a paradigm shift moment? It's it's when you're caught between two decisions. It's, It's when your mindset is forced to change. It's when your ideology and your theology comes in front of not just a book, but comes into a relationship, a true, authentic relationship with God. I, I remember that paradigm shift moment for me. It was when I was holding my father in my hand as he was having a massive heart attack. We had just gone out to eat. My wife and I, my mother and my father had gone to Nar Park Mall. I remember, like it was yesterday, eight at Neiman Marcus. He started saying, I'm not feeling that well, and in my arms, my dad passed away with me giving him CPR at the age of 28. I found out something after that moment as it pulled my heart out. I found how to fall back in love with God because I found out I was worshiping my dad while omitting my real father. So what God did, he gave me a paradigm shift moment to take the gift away so I could learn how to worship the giver of every good gift. Sitting in this room, you could look back over your life, and you could think about moments in your life where something happened that you can't explain, but you know God brought you through. There are moments when you've been fired on a job or laid off, because the job is scaling back. There's moments when uh, your, your family members are di- diagnosed with cancer or children become sick or something happens so traumatic in your life that you can't explain it. Those are the moments God grabs us and wants us to share to the world that what God has done for us, he can do for anybody. That's what Saul does in this text, because the Bible says when God gave him that paradigm shift, he did something that's interesting. Many of us have had that moment that we, we come to Jesus, but Saul took it a step further because Saul moved from being just a purpose-driven person to a promise-driven person. It's, now, now, Oak Gardens is a purpose-driven church. We, we have read the Rick Warren book, and I agree with everything he's saying, but it's a difference when you become uh, purpose-driven to promise-driven. Purpose-driven is when it is private. That is, that you have made a decision in your life that I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do better. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to stop some things that take me away from Christ. But when you turn to promise-driven, it takes your private testimony to a public declaration. It means that not only do I want to make it to heaven, I want to help somebody else make it to heaven. It means that not only do I want my family to do well, I want my neighbor's children to do well. It it means that I want, when the tide rises, all of the boats get higher. Paul had this experience in Acts chapter 9. In verse number 15 and 16, there was a guy who Paul was supposed to go talk to by the name of Ananias, and Ananias said, who was a follower of Jesus Christ, he said, I'm not going to meet with Paul because I have heard on all of the news reports he is the one killing Christians. He said, I'm not going to meet with him because that's dangerous. And God says this to Ananias in verse number 15. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, catch and to the king's as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. How do I become a difference maker? It's when I take my experience with God and I share my experience with somebody who still doesn't know God. It's when I take the blessings of God and I share them not just with people who have my last name, but I share them with Jose. I share them with individuals who I might not know, but I know that God knows. I was on a flight uh, about six or seven months ago to South Carolina, to Charleston, South Carolina, going uh, down there to preach. And I got in the plane, and I I always try to get a seat on the plane flying from Atlanta. I think I had to go uh, to Atlanta first, and then I had to fly from Atlanta to South Carolina. I sat in the back of the plane. I found a seat. A whole row, three seats by myself. And I thought that was so cool. But here comes a late straggler and sat right next to him. And the guy had on shorts, and he was a real buff guy. I could tell both of us must work out a lot. And uh, and he sat next to me, and he told me why he was going to South Carolina. He told me all that he was going to do in South Carolina. He told me all of the ideas of sin that he was going to participate in. In South Carolina. And after the flight, about 30 minutes, he finally decided to look over at me and say, what do you do for a living? (laughs) He said, I said, I'm a preacher. He said, oh, I'm a believer too, brother. (laughs) And I laughed and he laughed and he said, "I, I just have to do better. After this weekend. I said, you know what? What's so amazing about it? You just hadn't had your moment yet when God not only arrests your heart, but he arrests your mind. We talked, and I don't like talking on flights because I had to land. They were going to pick me up at the airport, and I was going straight to the church to preach. So I was trying to figure out what type of church I was going to, trying to figure out what what they were talking about. So I was looking through my Bible, and I started reading the Bible to him, to my friend, who— Come from a different background than me, has a different complexion than me, comes from a different part of the world than me, and because I shared that what I used to be before Damascus, this gentleman showed up to church on Wednesday night to see if what I was saying in the plane was what I do in everyday life. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you only turn into Paul on Sundays? And you go back to Saul on Mondays. What is your walk with God? You know why the church is dying? I'm not just talking about the church of Christ. The church in general. It's because we do like we do at LA Fitness. We show up to work out, but we don't practice it the rest of the week. We go to the gym and step on the treadmill just to make us feel better. But we're not exercising because we'll go to the fair and eat. Fletcher's Corner Dog like they did last night, not me. We're not practicing what we preach. What happens to us is that God is asking every person here at Riverside to not just be the church at church. Be the church when you go out into the world. If you read the story of Paul, it's a beautiful story. In fact, we are talking about Paul years later. We would not have a New Testament if it was not for that Damascus Road experience. And everywhere he went, he didn't say, how great I am, how gracious God is to me. Look what God did to me. You know what Paul says? He said, I am the chief among sinners. If you want an example of sin, you only need to look at me. He said, but God in his saving power is able to change a sinner and take him to a saint. He's able to put an outcast and bring him in into the family of God. He's able to take the worst among us. And use him as a vessel of the Almighty God. Never brag on yourself about God using you, because if you notice through the Bible, God uses the worst to do the most. Do I need to run the roll on it? Moses was a murderer. Peter had a cutting problem and a cussing problem. Every great vessel of God did something that the world would reject them before God chose to use them. What God is asking for you and I to do is take our ministry from private to public. But then this is what I want to leave you with. The story ends in a beautiful fashion. Saul went down, talked to Ananias and heard more about Jesus Christ. And In that process, Paul started preaching in Acts chapter 9, verse number 20. Look what the Bible says. And immediately... He began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. Verse number 22. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. There is power in your promise. There is power in your promise. When you start walking with God and start letting your story connect with his story, and you start sharing the story of how Jesus gave you a Damascus Road experience, and start sharing that with the world, the power is not in you. The power is in the God that falls within you. In New York in 2012, there was a massive power outage. And the only hotel in New York that still had power was the Ritz-Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton Hotel, there right on the main strip, right outside of Manhattan, had a beautiful lit up place. Even the Statue of Liberty had gone out. And the reason that the Ritz-Carlton still had lights years ago in 1971 when New York experienced a power outage. The Ritz-Carlton was the only hotel that decided to put his own power source within the basement of his hotel. So if it happened again where the lights in the city went out, the only beaming light that still would exist is the Ritz-Carlton, Because they were the only one lit when everybody else was in darkness. I'm wondering if we are looking for power in our money, if we're looking for power in our positions, if we're looking for power in our family name instead of looking for the power that really exists, which is found in Jesus Christ. When you connect to the power source of Jesus Christ, you are able to share your story and people will come to Jesus, not because you are so good, but because he's so good. Now, life will take you up and down. Life will move you all the way. Sometimes when you commit to Jesus, don't, rem- don't forget that that does not mean that you won't have good and bad days. It's, it's going to rain on your yard just like it rains on somebody else's yard. You're going to have experiences that are not pleasurable just like everybody else. But when you hold on to Jesus, you will always be connected to the power source that will give you light even though we live in a dark world. I learned that best 18 years ago when I was a youth, youth minister at Cliffview Church. Every year, my wife and I would take the kids to Six Flags at the end of the school year just as a celebration. And um, and my son, it frustrates him to death. I don't ride roller coasters. I, I don't do all of that stuff. I say, I'll pay for y'all to go, but I'm not, I'm not going to ride because I believe it's against the Bible. You know, those roller coasters go up, and the Bible is clear that it says, and lo, I'll be with you always. I... Some of y'all will catch that when you get to the car door, yeah? And what? And lo, low, I'll be with you. <laughs> Always. So I don't ride those roller coasters, but we would put the kids on the roller coaster, and those kids are crazy. I mean, I don't understand. They're not using good common sense. Huh? We were at this one roller coaster at Six Flags, and uh, my wife and I were standing there, and we were holding all their stuff, and I could see the kids getting on the roller coaster, and they were smiling. They were laughing and having a good time, and I saw at the beginning, because I'm responsible for them, and, you know, we had to take about 25, 26 kids, and I was responsible for at least bringing back about 20, so I I had to watch them and make sure I got my percentages back, so when when they got on the roller coaster, uh, the conductor told them to put their hands up, and he pulled this bar over them, and uh, they got on the roller coaster, and the roller coaster took off, and you know what kills me? It's not really the ride. It's that slow motion stuff at the beginning. I think that builds up the anxiety and you could hear that clicking, click, click. Have y'all ever been on a roller coaster? Uh, Click, click, and it takes you up real high. And we were positioned in a place at at Six Flags where we could watch their expression. And right before that roller coaster went on a dip, I saw all the kids laughing with their hands up. And I told my wife, these kids are crazy. They really need Jesus because I don't understand. How could you smile and laugh, and do all this stuff when life has you at the grips of the end. And I remember the reason they could smile and still have fun, even though this machine was flipping them upside down, is because before they took off, they were locked in. That's what God has for you and I. He has you locked in. So even though life might take you up, and take you down. Every day won't be a sunny day. Some days you're going to sit on the front row for the funeral. Some days you might have more month than money. Some days you might have a great day and the next day your whole world crashes down. Never give up on your testimony that God is good because remember he has you locked in. And the beauty of that Is that we had positioned ourselves at the roller coaster in a place where we thought they would come off, but they had to get off on the other side of the roller coaster. I said, that's amazing that you don't get off the same way you got on. That's how life ends. The way we came in is not the way we're going to leave here. But when I leave here, I want somebody to be able to say, Paul was a difference maker. It was good that this world had a Paul day in it because after I'm dead and gone, I want people to know about Jesus because my ministry went from private to public. Does God get a benefit for waking you up this morning to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Be a difference maker because God has made a difference in each one of our lives. Can we pray together? Father God, thank you for being the true difference maker in our life. Thank you for allowing us to see your grace and your mercy. And there is no greater difference that has ever been made than the difference you made on that old rugged cross where you died for us, where you gave up your life. They did not take your life. You gave it up so that we could live lives that is bigger then being between these four walls, we can live a life that wherever we go, we can make a difference. Help us to not just come to worship. Help us to worship every day and say, I want to live my life where I make a difference to this world. Thank you for this anointed time of worship on this day. Help us to live out loud what you are living in our lives. In your son' name, we do pray. Amen.